0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: When you're threatened by a stranger, when it looks like you will take a licking, <laughs> There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken.
0: Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. Providing quality poultry feeds for your backyard chickens nationwide. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as The Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson to the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Please visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Combox Feet we got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. He will be joining us very shortly. And uh, we're going to be talking just a little bit about the current situation with the uh, highly uh, pathogenic avian influenza outbreak. Uh, there was news yesterday regarding, uh, I think, the largest uh, to date uh, poultry farm uh, that's been affected by this, 3.8 million uh, chickens uh, will be cold uh, due to this, and uh, so we'll be talking a little bit about that, and uh, and kind of calming your fears a little bit, but but also talking about that the fact that. You know, maybe this is here to stay on U.S. soil, maybe uh, at least for the next few years. And uh, I'm kind of quoting a, a top-level USDA that was quoted in the news by saying that this may be here to here to stay or here to stay for the next few years while we uh, try to eradicate this from U.S. soil. So we'll be talking a little bit about that today. So I'm glad you tuned in. Again, thank you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by, of course, ComBot Feeds. And we'll return with the chicken doctor right after After this short break. At Kambach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kambach Feeds. Find a dealer at Kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, technology you can trust you've just entered a dimension of dirty water a dimension of poop filled water a dimension of stagnant water you've crossed into the dirty waterer zone but up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water the Bright Tap Chicken
1: Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling
0: clean water. You get less work. No poop filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. How
1: would you like a punch in the beak?
0: And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for standing with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We are waiting for uh, Peter to call in. I, see I saw he called in a little bit earlier. Uh, we were just a little bit late getting on the, uh, on the air, but I did see him, and then by the time uh, the uh, theme song cranked up, he had left. So I'm going to see if I can possibly try to call out and give him a call. Let me see if this will, uh, if I can do this. So give me just a second. It's rare that we actually call out, but sometimes we do. And then that'll save me from having to disconnect. I can just give him a call and uh, let me see what we got here. There we go. Let's try this here. Give me one second. Gotta love live radio. <laughs> so I've got to go here to my contacts and get Peter's number where are you where are you there we go let's see what we got here okay let's try this Great. Hey, Peter. It's Andy. We're live on the air, so no, uh, no cussing. <laughs> I know. I, I normally don't call out on the switchboard, but um, I, I saw you had called in just for a second. Right as I was just about to push the uh, theme song, uh, I was running just a little bit late today, and I said, "Well, I know he's there," and then you disappeared. So I said, "Well, I'm going to call him." And easiest way for me to do that, since I'm all hooked up to the soundboard today. Is just a uh, call through the switchboard. So I'm going to hang up, and then if you'll call back in like you always do, uh, we'll get okay. this show on the road.
1: <laughs> right. give, me, give me two minutes.
0: No problem. Thanks, buddy. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's Peter Brown. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I saw him. He was he was called in, and, and uh, as soon as I had pushed pushed play, on the theme song i saw him disappear and i said well maybe maybe he'll call back kid, but uh but not yet so no problem he thought it may because it does happen sometimes i'll be uh i'll be on the road and i don't get my to my destination in time for whatever reason and then uh the show will not go on and uh just to let you know hey we're heading out tomorrow for uh about a six-week tour we've got stops in maryland we got stops in west virginia got uh, several in ohio and indiana and um Pennsylvania. So we do have uh, a lot of uh, uh, stops that we're doing with the Combox feeds for the tour. Looking forward to that. Hopefully you can. We well, can go to our website, ChickenWhisperer.com, and then click on the uh, the uh, tour schedule, and you can see everywhere we're going to be and have uh, that. Tons of information from USDA to hand out. Cool things, calendars and spiral uh, laminated folders for for chicken disease. I've got everybody's going to get a free Chicken Whisperer magazine. Just tons of prizes will be given away at the events. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and so hopefully you can come on out to one of the events that we have posted, but we'll be hitting the road tomorrow. So, uh, again, we still try to do this broadcast. Heck, we've done over a 1,000 episodes now. So, uh, obviously, it's very important to us to get the information out there, and we have lots of people that, (laughs) hey, I I didn't hear the show today. What happened? Uh, They count on us to be here. And so we do as many, of course, as we possibly can all the time. But on the road, sometimes it can be difficult based on our travel schedule and event times and different things like that. So... We'll be posting, obviously, as we always do on the Facebook and the Twitter account to let you know when we'll actually be broadcasting live, hopefully, and most of the time what the topic is, who our special guest will be. So you can uh, keep up with that uh, over on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Chicken Whisperer. We did award the winner of the coop, Jennifer Bell from Texas, uh, won that awesome uh, chicken coop. I'm pretty sure that was her name. I was looking over it today. Yeah, Jennifer Bell. uh, She lives in... um, uh, Texas, And she won that awesome chicken coop, uh, that March-April chicken coop contest that was brought to you by Egg Coops. Do them online at egg, E-G-G, Egg Extreme Coops.com. She was so excited, and she won. She said, oh, this is going to be great. We really need a new coop around here. And it, it was fabulous. So she's going to be taking delivery of that coop uh, probably in the next two or three weeks. It will be delivered right to her front door so uh, we're loving that and uh, she was very excited just to let you know uh, we are planning I believe I saw today in my calendar that we'll be starting another ultimate chicken coop contest in May how cool is that another chance for you to win another awesome chicken coop and I'll be posting all that information once May gets here how to enter the whole nine yards there very excited about that. And right now, there's still a contest going on where you can, again, try to win another awesome chicken coop from Woodtex Products. They're out in Texas. But they've got little manufacturers all over the, uh, the country. Um, and they're giving away a chicken tractor. It's valued at $500 plus shipping right to your front door. And a really cool setup. Just go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and uh, click on this. Uh, spring issue of 2015, and it'll show you all uh, how to enter for that contest as well. So we're always giving away awesome coops here, more than anybody else on the planet, thanks to our awesome sponsors. So we've got that going on uh, as, uh, as we speak, and so uh, lots of chances to win some awesome chicken coops. And well, again, we'll have one coming up here in May, so looking forward to that. Um, if you're curious about what we do at events, uh, normally they last around two hours to two and a half hours, um, we do a, a workshop that lasts about an hour and a half. And then, they, of course, we do the book signing. We do Q&A and, of course, pictures and autographs and things like that. Always a good time. Totally fun. Really looking forward to this tour with Kalmbach Feeds. I know that two of my stops, one is going to be at the Maryland uh, Poultry and Farmer's Market, American Poultry Swap and Farmer's Market. And um, really looking forward to that. I know Peter Brown's going to be there. I just found out that uh, Dr. McRae, I called her. Ooh, sneak up, yawn. I called her, and so Dr. McRae is going to be there. So you've got me, you got Cuba Brown, you've got Dr. McRae, long-time, both of them long-time guests on the radio show. So uh, we're very glad that um, uh, that we're all going to be kind of convening at, at one place, looking forward to that. They're going to have pony rides, they're going to have all kinds of homemade goodies, they're going to have uh, honey, and there's going to be bluegrass music and a barbecue. It's going to be a really fun time. That is uh, this Saturday, actually, the 25th. Up in, oh, my goodness, let me think. I know it's in Maryland. Let me look at the actual town if you're close by. I know that uh, Dr. McRae uh, is going to be driving about three hours to attend. So, uh, hey, you can too. That is going to be in Sharpsburg, Maryland. Sharpsburg, Maryland. So we've got that going on then. Let's give you the cities while I have this opened up. And then we're heading over to Weston, West Virginia. Weston, West Virginia. And then... Um, Eaton, Ohio, and then Columbus, Indiana. And I, I can't pronounce this, but Ships Hawana, uh, Indiana. That, that's a big Amish community, I believe, right there. Um, and then we have Orwell, Ohio, West Sunbury, Pennsylvania, Rogers, Ohio, Carrollton, Ohio, and wrapping it up, Miami Town, Ohio, and Batavia, Bativia, Batavia, Batavia. B-A-T-A-V-I-A, Batavia, Ohio. I'm probably destroying that, but, hey, that, that's, what it, that's that's what life. So uh, those are the stops, and you can see all those at chickenwhisper.com. Got to love it. Um, Talked to the USDA this morning. Uh, a little bit about the savian uh, uh, influenza outbreak, talking to them about it, and uh, how uh, the just, – just to clarify this, I saw Peter just called in, so that's great. Yesterday, a lot of the media – I post a link to, I think, the Boston Globe, and the, they were reporting as well, and many others – Pardon me, lack of sleep. Um, and having a 2 and a 4 year old didn't help. But I uh, got to love them. And um, where it was uh, 5.3 million chickens. Now, there's been a correction uh, in the media. And that, that number did come from USDA initially. So it wasn't initially bogus information. That was their belief. Because that farm, uh, that, that specific farm where that outbreak took place, has a total capacity of 5.3 million chickens, but it wasn't at full capacity. So right now, the official number from the farm itself of the birds they currently have at the farm uh, that will be called uh, slash destroyed, if you're not familiar with that term, um, 3.8 million. Okay, so um, about what's that, a million and a half difference. So hey, a million and a half difference is a million and a half difference. But um, 3.8 million right now, I think, is the official quote-unquote number. Uh, And that's the largest uh, so far on, I think, U.S. soil. So, um, and it's, it's, it is, there's, we've talked about the possibility of a a biosecurity breach somewhere. Um, It could be wild birds uh, flying into these houses where, where the chickens are kept. It could be mice or rats tracking it into these houses where they're kept. It could be workers maybe not following biosecurity protocol and doing the foot bath, foot wash um, and, and, and rinsing the tires when they go farm to farm that could be causing this. Um, it could be um, uh, maybe coming in through feed or feed trucks. So there's, there's an array and I know they're working hard on the ground trying to figure out the common thread here. Um, but hey, let's go ahead and bring on uh, Peter Brown also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. dot com. You can visit him online at FirstStateVetSupply.com. dot com. So, Peter, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it.
1: Sure, no problem. So, no
0: problem. I just wanted to clarify that a little bit from some of the news media that was going on yesterday. Also, um, Wisconsin. I believe the uh, governor of Wisconsin. Uh, I think he wants to run for president. I don't remember his name. So, but God, there, Walter. there again, yeah, there, there may be. Um, some underlying issues like, hey, I can take charge, and people will remember this when I go to run for office. But um, he declared a state of emergency yesterday regarding the bird flu and called up the National Guard, and people were wondering, well, what, what the heck are they going to do? And uh, my understanding, uh, and I talked to USDA about that this morning, is that um, what's been published anyway is that the the he's going to utilize National Guard, number one, to help with the containment process, uh, the calling process and also the decontamination process of equipment trucks leaving the farm, trucks coming onto the farm so he's whether it be a pu- publicity stunt for him because he wants to run for president or you know people are like what well, national does that you know national emergent state of state of emergency and calling in the National Guard why and that that's, uh, that's our understanding is it just needing more more boots on the ground to help decontaminate and help with the culling process. So that, that's the vibe that we get from, from that situation um, and uh, versus, and then of course there's the issue in Iowa with 3.8 actual 3.8 million not the 5.3 that's just what the total farm will hold. So um, Peter I know we talked a little bit about this yesterday and you wanted to share say it it's, and we talked and you were just naming them left and right. It is not just here in the U.S. Um, especially this time of year and Now, the last four, five, six weeks, there's just seems like every day there's a new place uh, that's experiencing uh, the avian influence all around the world, Egypt, and and everywhere else. So I know you wanted to know we can dabble about this a a little bit uh, for today's show. Uh, We don't have to run too long. We'll run probably up until about 3 o'clock. And then uh, we'll, we'll call it quits, but I just wanted to... Oh, and one more thing I wanted to stress to folks, I, I told them that I would do today on the show, is that none of these birds are entering the food chain, um, so you don't have to be worried about that. There was a lot of misunderstanding, even though I clearly posted these were a uh, 3.8 million laying hens, uh, that are, and this is an egg producing farm, not a meat producing farm, um, is that you don't have to deal with, you know, the, the contaminated meat. No, the, even if it was meat birds, they will not, gonna, they're not going to be destroyed. They will not enter the food chain. Um, and, uh, so, so none of them, that that's just protocol, but to pull a scenario out of my ear, just so people know, um, the uh, what I've talked with other poultry scientists and a couple, three of around the country, is that let's just pull a scenario out of my ear. You go out, and there are people that do this. So well, you may not ever do this, but we've seen it, and we've heard it, and we've talked to people that do this. They go outside, and they may see a dead chicken in their backyard, and they're like, hey, waste not, want not, and, and they're they're going to eat that, cooking it, um, and, and serve it to their family because, uh, hey, waste not, want not. That's, that's their philosophy. And uh, then all of a sudden, you go out the next day and all their flock is dead because of, and they, they get it tested. And, again, scenario pulling out of my ear, uh, they, they find out it's avian influenza. And they're like, I just ate this chicken yesterday cooked properly, as, as you should anyway, 160 degrees in that oven. Uh, you know, Liquids are running clear. The whole nine yards of CDC and USDA talk about cooking food properly. Um, that's going to be fine for those folks that ate that chicken, according to the scientists I've talked with. But but we're not putting any of this in the food chain. They're not just going to soup. They're not going to be served in school lunches or any of that stuff. Um, they will be absolutely destroyed. So it's not an and of course, These were the egg issues, egg layers, not meat birds. So people say, saying, oh, the price of chicken meat is going to go up. But these were egg, you know, eggs. And uh, uh, there were a couple of things posted as well where this was uh, roughly 1% of all the layers in the country, that new 3.8 million number, and 6% of all the laying hens in the state of Iowa. But they're feeling that even at that number, which for us seems very, very high, probably will not affect any type of uh, consumer as far as price increase or anything like that. Now, we don't know what holds in the future. We hope none of this happens ever again. (laughs) There's not another outbreak at all. But uh, that's what they're, they're predicting right now, that this one this issue won't do that but we'll just see what happens when we go to the grocery store i'm right there with you uh, as well so uh, i wanted to get that uh, off my chest and get it out there for people who, who are concerned and then i'm going to turn it over to peter and of course before we leave at three o'clock we'll go through some steps that uh um we can do to to um, implement some good biosecurity as we always talk about but um whether it's six million birds or six birds, whether you free-range or keep them in a nice little $2,000 coop you bought online and had it delivered to you, uh, and you give them treats and you have curtains in your nest boxes, it doesn't matter. Um, This disease can wipe out your flock. I don't care how clean it is. I don't care how many herbs you give them. I don't care how many treats you give them. I don't care if they're in diapers. I don't care if you hug them every day. Um, it, It can affect your flock, whether it's in the commercial farms or your little backyard flock of six. One more thing on this little uh, uh, tangent is that you need to look in your backyard. And if you have wild bird feeders and wild bird baths in your backyard, I'm telling you, folks, it's recommended to do away with those. Um, We've been saying for years on this radio show, Dr. McCray's written an article about it in the magazine. We've talked about it at least once or twice a year every, every year on the podcast but you're just asking for trouble with the health of your flock. If you got wild bird feeders and bird bass and they're tracking wild birds to your backyard, so uh, let's turn it over to Peter, also known as Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First FirstStateVetSupply.com. Uh, Peter, what what say you about all this? You you you've got the list of everybody around the world that's being infected with this.
1: Yeah, it's a heck of a mess. Um, I think that um, uh, not coming to Scott Walker's defense, but it wouldn't surprise me if the uh uh, governments running out of uh, personnel to to really handle this. this is an unprecedented uh, um, outbreak of this disease in this country like we've never had before. Um, in times past uh, these outbreaks were limited to just a few st- uh, states, uh, predominantly here uh, on the east coast actually and uh, um, there was one in one one in delaware one in Maryland. Uh, and uh, Pennsylvania years back, and, and I think Pennsylvania had a second outbreak, uh, and then over in, uh, in Virginia had a, had a big outbreak some years back. So, you know, those were kind of concentrated all in one area uh, and, uh, you know, not spread uh, you know, across God's green acre. And now we've got a problem where it, it is spread across God's green acre from the top of the country to the bottom of the country and almost from the middle of the country to the west coast, that's a pretty big area. And you know, the list seems to be growing almost daily. Um, you know, of, of flocks that are in, infected, and so on, and so forth. And bear in mind that not you're, you're only hearing, you know, where they uh, an actual flock of turkeys or chickens or a small black backyard flock has become infected. But there are many occasions where they're picking up dead birds uh, of all descriptions. Uh, uh, around the world, not just here, but around the world that have been infected with these things. So um, it is a huge, huge problem. I believe it was um, either earlier this week or late last week, uh, one of the veterinarians from the uh, uh, Department of Agriculture, I guess, uh, I'm not quite sure where he was from, didn't really matter, but he said this is going to be with us for a while. And I I think he's Mm -hmm. right. This will die down as the temperatures pick up and the the virus is not able to – Uh, To stay as uh, as active, but as the cold weather comes, uh, because that's generally when we see it, and we'll see it here in the in the uh, colder months, uh, probably come back and may even come back with a vengeance. Uh, It just depends. Um, You you know, a lot of people think that um, this is somebody else's problem. We've talked about that on on this show uh, on numerous occasions when this outbreak Mm -hmm. first started out in in the uh, Pacific Northwest and. Uh, places like Facebook and other blogs and, and people were saying, well, you know, it's their problem, it's out there, they got to deal with it. Um, and I have said on the show on numerous occasions as well, it's everybody's problem. And, uh, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost now, and we're going to see just how this thing is going to shake out. And it's it's, it's huge, uh, in, in my opinion. I'm sure the uh, folks at the Department of Agriculture feel the same way. Uh, this is uh, this is going to cost not only in, in uh Uh, you know people people say it's somebody else's problem well it's your tax dollars because they get paid an indemnity for these birds they're just not going to come in put them all down Uh, they may be going to lose 3.8 million uh, birds uh, in that place in uh, Iowa but they're going to get paid for them and they're going to get paid for cleaning up the farm they're going to get paid uh, for disposing of all the dead birds Um, and um, I'm not sure what the indemnity fee is but it's not like they're going to take all of it on the chin Uh, I do believe they will uh, not be compensated for, you know, loss of income, that kind of thing. Uh, And that's going to be huge. You take, uh, you know, almost 4 million birds out of production. Um, You know, the customers that you have, uh, it's like everything else. You know, what have you done for me lately? They're looking for eggs for their stores, and rightfully so. And and, uh, you were their go-to company, and uh, because of this problem, you don't have them. What are they supposed to do? You know, just hang around and wait you know, another year or so till you have eggs? No, they're going to go elsewhere. Uh, and lo and behold, if they, by chance, they get better eggs, better service, better price somewhere else, you've lost customers. So this is huge, also huge uh, in the international scene. Uh, other countries don't want poultry products from here or from areas in this country that have had the problem, whether it's, you know, coming from a farm that, that had a problem. Uh, so the, the economic aspects of it are just mind-boggling. And uh the billions of dollars that will be lost uh, over this whole thing uh, over a period of time uh, going to be quite frightening. You know, if anybody doesn't want that money, they can leave it on my doorstep any day of the week. But um, it's, it really is a huge, huge problem. And, and
0: uh, to, to touch on what you were saying earlier as well, they, they do say that probably in the hot summer, uh, this may go away for a couple of months, but they're actually looking at... Uh, it, like you said, come, coming back, uh, especially on the East Coast, um, in the fall, so they are very concerned about East Coast, in fact, they're, and where you're at now, Marva, Pennsylvania, and, everywhere else, and, and making sure that... You know, working what we can now, and then over the summer, hopefully it kind of going away. But then really uh, beefing up the biosecurity, which you talk about on the show a lot. Even the commercial folks need to do a much better job at doing that. And they're looking at the especially not everybody, but I mean everybody, but including uh, even along the East Coast, especially for fall. They're not they won't be surprised if it creeps back and rears its ugly head this fall on the East Coast somewhere.
1: Yeah, it, it, you know, it behooves me to understand you know why these uh, commercial operations are having these kinds of problems. Um, it kind, kind of reminds me of, of, of uh, the incidences that have been going on lately with police in different areas of the country. And uh, I, I wonder sometimes if they watch the news or are they paying attention. Um, you know, I, I know that if I owned a big commercial operation like that or even a smaller one, um, you know, had any kind of crew, uh, we'd be meeting first crack out of the box in the morning and going over uh, all of the uh, ins and outs of biosecurity and, and you know, what you can do, what you can't do, who can go where, limit the amount of people moving about you know, on a farm, limit the amount of people that have actual access uh, to the birds themselves. Uh, you know, get a maintenance crew together immediately. Everybody goes around and looks. You know, see if we got a rodent problem. See if we got birds. Uh, places where birds can get into these things. Set up your, uh, your, uh, you know, your foot baths and everything else, and then put somebody in charge of going around every day and making sure all day long that they're clean and got fresh stuff in them. I mean, to me, that's worth its weight in gold. And I don't think they do any of that, um, because if they did, I don't think they'd have half the problems they have. That's just the way I see it. From where I'm sitting, I used to work in that industry. I know what they'll do and I know what they won't do, and. Uh, they can't see where the dollars and cents are going to be in their favor, they're not going to do it. Um, I don't see them doing anything special here. There isn't a farm around here where I live, and I live, I can walk across the street here and up through this small patch of woods over here, and I'm on five or six broiler houses right there. Who's going to stop me? There's no fence around it. You think putting a little sign at the end of the thing says uh, no admittance is going to keep somebody out? Uh, you know, um, it just doesn't make any sense, none of it. And, uh, there's, you know, there's, there's no way, I mean, sure, you go on somebody's property and they got a gun to shoot you. Yeah, that could happen, you know. That wouldn't surprise me either. But I just don't get it. Um, you know, just just the same as I don't understand all these incidents of all of a sudden with police uh, brutality, whether it's real or imagined, however you want to look at it, don't they watch TV? Is anybody paying attention? Um, you know, it keeps happening. And the same thing with this uh, avian influenza thing. I, and I know it's easily spread and everything else, but we know how it spreads. So we have to, you know, have to take care of those things. But getting on to another subject with this stuff, uh, there are those people who think there's a conspiracy theory here going on that the government is trying to contaminate our food. I couldn't figure out why that would be, but I think what you have to know is this: this is a worldwide problem. This is not just, you know, yeah, sure, we're having a big problem here, um, but this this is happening everywhere, and and in places that you you wouldn't think of, and in some places. Um, uh, take Hong Kong, for instance, uh, April of this year, just a few days ago, 16th to be exact. Um, the One of the strains they've had over there, this H5N6, which is jumping around from human to human, reared its ugly head again. Um, it, it's it's not just here, and I think people need to understand that. This is a a global problem at this point. And uh, I always tell you when I'm reading to you, so I'm going to read off just here a real quick list of, of pe- uh, countries. And, and you'll see, and it's going to start uh, uh, with the one in Iowa on the 20th, uh, again in uh, Ontario, Canada on the 19th, this is all April, um, mm-hmm. in and around the 17th and a few days before, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, the 16th, Hong Kong, with that uh, uh, flu that's jumping from from uh, one human to, uh, to another, and um, uh, that was picked up in a uh, Peregrine Falcon, okay? So there you go. And... Um, in uh, some of these countries, I don't even know where the heck they are, so you, know, you guys can figure it out. Uh, Bhutan, B-H-U-T-A-N, got a problem there on the 16th. Uh, the Gaza Strip, we all know where that is. Uh, and places all around there in Israel, Palestine, got all kinds of problems there with it. Iowa on the 14th. Mexico on the 9th. Uh, the Netherlands on the 5th. Uh, here's, here's one that's interesting. I've mentioned this before. Uh, Egypt has an ongoing problem since 2006. Folks, that's nine years that's nine years and they still haven't got a handle on it I mean this is, this is huge from, you know, from my perspective
0: before I forget let me put this point out there as well because I'll forget um, and, then you, and then you can please carry on but I'll forget The um, someone asked uh, well if this is really carried by wild birds how come we don't see just these droves of dead wild birds everywhere because these wild birds Uh, can carry this and not show any symptoms and not be sick. They can carry it in their gut. Their gut, like Dr. McCray often says, uh, works up kind of a relationship with these pathogens and says, "Hey, you can hang out here, and I can hang out here. Just don't bother me, and I won't bother you." Da da And they don't show symptoms, and they don't get sick, and they don't die from this, but they're shedding it when they in their feces when they poo, and then um, and they and they land in these uh, uh, reservoirs and the ponds and the lakes, and even and then land in fields and feed and and w- before they land, uh, uh, you talk about the, the bird experts before they land a lot of times they'll defecate before they take off or as they're taking off they they defecate and it it was described to me like sometimes there's so many and when they're taking off it's like it's raining this poo everywhere and uh so so they can carry it and not be affected and not be sick and show no signs but they're still everywhere they land you know the waterways and everything else they're they're leaving this behind and whether it be like we talked about earlier, we may not have been on at that point, whether it be the mice tracking it in or, or rats tracking it in or the feed or the feed trucks or an employee not doing a foot bath or the tires of the vehicle going to the feed store and back, whatever the case may be, um, it, it's getting into the uh, the coops. Also, totally unrelated, but I want to say it because people are listening may be like, hmm, maybe I'll need to look into that. And I may have him write an article about it in the fall issue. We've already got Dr. Pitesky writing a good one about um, Newcastle. Um, in the spring issue, but he was talking about. Cause people often talk about the mice, and and it's amazing, Peter. When I'm on a blogger forum and I see people laughing and giggling and think it's so funny when they see their chickens eat a mouse. And they're, at first they're like shocked, "Oh my gosh!" And then other people, this, "Is this okay?" And everybody says, "Oh yeah, it's fine. Mine eat mice all the time." Well, eh, that's bad information, folks. Um, but the issue there is a uh, totally another issue regarding mouse poop and eating mice and salmonella and getting your chicken that type of thing but uh, cats, I found out yesterday from uh, Dr. Patisky that cats can carry and spread uh, mycoplasma to your chickens. So everybody talks about having a barn cat to keep the mice population down, but we're going to talk about the the issue of is this something we need to be concerned about. I haven't whole, write him a whole article about it, uh, about cats carrying mycoplasma, because we know that I even talked to the director of the National MPIP this past week, talked about the number of... Uh, Mycoplasma and backyard tubes. She says is staggering. People don't even know it, and um, so so I've got her on board to write another article. She's doing one for MPIP for the spring uh, summer issue, but um, but yes, I wanted to mention that too. So not to alarm you, or it may not be any concern, but I'm definitely, first I heard about it, am going to get some more information from Dr. Patiski at UC Davis about the risk of cats and chickens uh, and, and mycoplasma. So it's going to be, that's going to be interesting. But are wanted to share that. But So that's the issue about the wild birds and the avian influenza, about how they, they don't, they, they may show signs, no signs, no symptoms, not be sick, but they're shedding this constantly. Uh, when they uh, when they poo. so uh, we talked about well, some some other folks. Uh, Peter, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I would forget all of that <laughs> by the time the show is over. And I think some of that's important, and, and people would be interested to hear. Yeah, so I think, well,
1: I think that that um, what's important for everybody to take away from this. This is not alarmist. That's not what we're saying here. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what we're saying is that everybody really needs to step up uh, and do their due diligence and. Uh, you know, be very careful about what you do I see people um, still uh, from different places wanting to ship eggs ship birds uh, and everything else and um, I think I'd be a little leery of doing that at this point in time I, I you know I, I know for myself I wouldn't do it but um, people are going to be people and they want what they want and they you know they're willing to take that risk and and certainly uh, that risk is theirs to take but um, i just want to get it out there that this this is a global problem now Uh, you know uh you know some years it it'd been more more or less of a problem here a few cases around uh, other parts of the world but uh, and then we had those big outbreaks in 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 asia uh, several years back and they're still ongoing a lot of them Uh, uh, this uh this h5n6 deal in in china is, is is a big deal it's their fourth outbreak this year we're only into april it's a fourth outbreak, okay? And uh, th- this has uh, jumped around from, from people to, to, uh, to geese to waterfowl um, and, and the whole bit. So, uh, you know, it's, it's important, and that's why I'm just you know, trying to throw this stuff out, out here, you know. Uh, uh, but it is, uh, uh, it is everywhere. The Netherlands, uh, uh, Burkina Faso, wherever that is, uh, they got a problem. Uh, there were some, uh, some uh, birds in Alaska. Uh, that um, this was back on the second uh, of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know Canada. Canada has
0: been hit hard, and you even said yesterday yeah. when we were talking Mexico.
1: Yep. And you know, then in March of this year, Romania, uh, Bulgaria, uh, Sweden, Hungary, Israel again. Uh, in February, uh, United Kingdom, early February, South Korea, early February, uh, moving into January, Nigeria, Belize, uh, Japan, Taiwan. I mean, it's everywhere, folks, it's everywhere. And- I'm going to
0: read something here. Um, this this was shared on uh, uh, yesterday when I posted about the big outbreak in Iowa. It's been shared about 1,400 times, and I'm just going through who all shared it and, and scrolling down at the comments. And uh, a young lady, I'll just say Virginia. I won't go into her middle initial or last name. And this is what she, uh, she posted, which couldn't be further from the truth, at least the last sentence. Northwest Iowa production chickens, so sad. The National Guard has been tasked in Wisconsin to help with disposal of production poultry there, and Minnesota is going to lose a lot of turkeys. But here's just what concerns me. I don't know how this information gets out there. But backyard chickens are safe, as stated in several of the articles. I want to see those articles because I haven't seen anywhere in any articles where it says backyard chickens are safe from this or um, protected against this or because you have a clean coop and you give them treats and you change the bedding and, and they're, you know, you bring them, that they're safe because they, they are definitely not. Yeah, you need to that's, practice.
1: That's ludicrous. Um, right, right. absolutely asinine uh, to even write something like that or think along those, those, uh, those terms. Um, if you have chickens and they're... Uh, uh, they're exposed in any way, shape, or form to the outside. Uh, you know, you you can be vulnerable. It, it doesn't matter. Um, and and I agree with you. No matter what you feed them, no matter how well you take care of them, um, you know, th- there's very well could be an issue.
0: And uh, let me ask you this question. This this was posted on on the. We've talked about this a gazillion times. Uh, when We've talked about this topic, the salmonella topic. When you know, last year when they had the outbreak, somebody posted yesterday. Said, and I'll paraphrase here, but based on what I remember, it, but it was, it was the extent of, why do we have to kill all the chickens? Can't we see which chickens actually live and then get them uh, uh, have a natural immunity to that, and then, and then. And then breed with that, they said, well there will never be natural immunity if we kill all the chickens from from this disease so they and and these this also comes you know from the oh I have a clean coop and and I give them treats and right and they're all natural i don't I don't use any type of vaccinations I don't use any antibiotics, and that's why these chickens are dying because they have all these antibiotics in them. and that's here or there that's not what the topic is today, but they're talking about um the issue of um uh, what did I just say, oh, why, why can't we let some live and get natural immunity for, for you know, why are we killing them all? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, let, let's look at it this way. Let's go back a step. First off, antibiotics have nothing to do uh, f- for the most part uh, with immunity. Uh, they don't have a direct impact on the immune system. I think what a person might be talking about is that um, allowing a bird uh, under normal circumstances not avian influenza uh, to become sick Some die, the ones that survive uh, are the ones that have some uh, natural immunity, and uh, lo and behold, that may be true, okay? And the reason I say it's true is that it all depends on uh, the virulence of the strain of either virus or uh, bacteria uh, that is going to affect the bird. So, yeah, you know, I've got somebody I know that um uh claims to breed for resistance. Okay. And um they they do some showing, not as much as they, they used to do, but they do some showing and stuff. But that person even though they have uh bred their birds for resistance, still vaccinate for laryngotracheitis. Why? You see what I mean? If your if your program is so good, uh because they don't want to take the risk. That's what it is. I, I know the answer. But um, th- th- there's nothing to say that any bird that recovers is going to be uh, you know, 20% immune, 30% immune, 50% immune, 100% immune. You don't know that. And you don't know until the next round and the next die-off comes. The problem with avian influenza is the majority of them all die. If you wait to see who lives, there may not be anybody living. And while you're waiting, you're spreading it. Don't forget, whether a chicken is outside and is infected or it's inside and infected, it is shedding that virus uh, into the environment. Um, Your your commercial chicken houses all have exhaust fans because most of them are kept in in closed confinement now. And so uh, anything in that chicken house is gonna be blown around all outside. Um, The containment of it, the only reason they kill these birds really is for the containment purposes, to contain the virus, to slow it down, to stop it as best he can in its tracks where it is in place. And, um, you know, they found out um, just how unorganized they were back when Virginia had their outbreak, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, maybe more, can't remember the exact timing, doesn't matter, okay? Uh, They uh, decided to dispose of the birds off-premise and hauling them down the road in trucks with no tarps, no nothing, and uh, one farm after another becoming infected from it. We already know uh, from some of the outbreaks in Asia uh, a few years back um, they couldn't figure out why the people who were disposing of the birds were coming down with avian influenza and then it was discovered that it was in some of the goose down and and it was on the feathers and it was everywhere. This is not an easy one to deal with. So it's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as it looks. And... um, Just because you may have built some immunity to one disease, doesn't mean you're gonna have immunity to the next one. Vaccines are designed to allow the bird to see the antigen, which is the disease organism, in such a way that it doesn't overwhelm the bird, but allows it to build some immunity. Some vaccines have to be given on a regular basis. Um, For instance, let's talk about Newcastle bronchitis real quick. Uh, When you do that, uh, with a live vaccine, you have to do it every three to four months in order to uh, reestablish and maintain uh, immunity. If you don't, the immune system is not going to stay on that high degree of alert forever. So after a period of time, the uh, amount of antibodies that are available are going to be less and less and less, and the longer period of time that it goes before the bird sees that antigen again, which means the uh, Newcastle and or the bronchitis, either in the form of a field outbreak or in the form of a vaccine, those antibodies wane. The immune system starts to, I won't say shut down, but it goes on uh, standby, okay? It's not going to be battle ready 24-7 forever unless it's reminded that it needs to be. And the way they do that now with, with the, uh, the Newcastle bronchitis and some other diseases is that you give several live vaccines and you come back with a killed, inactivated booster, which then leaches out some antigen over a long period of time, okay, through what's called an adjuvant, uh, which is the makeup of the vaccine itself. It's basically an oil and water uh, emulsion with the antigen uh, in it. And when it does that, it's constantly reminding that immune system, hey, stay awake, pay attention, go to, don't go to sleep, be on guard. And that's how it works. Um, you know, there's just, just no place for um, allowing birds, you know, on a commercial basis at least, to, um, uh, you know, to build some natural immunity to it. And it's got nothing to do with the antibiotics and all of this. That's all hogwash, nonsense, uh, and everything else just is and you know i mean what are you going to do every disease organism that comes along are you going to allow um let's say you had a flock of 100 birds and uh just for argument's sake um avian influenza comes through killed 20 so now you're down to 80 birds uh two months later you get an e-coli infection 20 more go now you're down to 60 okay um you know another couple of months go by and a mycoplasma infection comes by and you've got to depopulate. Uh, you go through and you test, and only maybe uh, out of your sixty birds, thirty habits, it. So thirty more are gone. Okay, now you're down to thirty birds. How economical is that? Because if you, you know, if you are going to build some uh, some resistance to mycoplasma, it's not going to say there's going to be anything to uh, avian influenza, E. coli, um, Newcastle, bronchitis, or any of those other diseases. So it's not as easy as it looks. Uh, a lot easier for people who don't know what they're talking about to, uh, you know, to to tell you all these all of these different things. Uh, it's it's just not economically feasible. What do you, where do you think the, the Merrick's vaccine came from, the Merrick's vaccine that we use today? Why do you think we do it? Because they want to spend billions of dollars every year vaccinating every chicken all across the world? I don't think so. Because they couldn't withstand the 70% losses that they were getting in the 60s with the disease. That's why couldn't stand it economically. I mean, you start out with 100,000 birds in a chicken house, and before they're done, you got 30,000. Yeah, so that's the rhyme and reason why all those things don't work the way they, that people think they should. And uh, mm-hmm. it takes a long time to get a flock to the point with one disease uh, that it would be you know, resistant to it naturally on its own. And then you got the whole rest of it.
0: Yeah, that's just a common thread, and comment on the uh, on, on the Facebook page. I was just on another Facebook page seeing kind of the the same thing. In fact, one was just posted literally while we were on the air that says, "So why kill them if they're going to die anyway?" We address that to prevent spread. Uh, uh, and then I'm not an expert, but if some hens manage to survive the flu, they might be able to give immunity to their offspring. So just. Um, it's, it's all that.
1: Nobody's willing problem. to take that financial chance, and, and so one or two survive. Let's say 1% survive. What are you going to do with that 1%? If they're shedding the virus, um, which is possible, um, what are you going to do with that 1% while well, you try to infect other birds who are going to be uh, uh, susceptible, and they all die, and you get another 1%, now you've got 2% of a couple hundred thousand make sense you know I, I just don't see it I don't, you know with any of these diseases i mean go back and look at it on the human side if you want to okay and now i you know we got all the naysayers and everything else about you know vaccinating humans and this and that and the other thing see they don't understand they don't understand um for instance people say well there's there's formaldehyde in that in that and formaldehyde would give you well i'll tell you what you know you drive a car every day, sucking up exhaust, sitting in traffic in a city for two hours till you get home uh, or, or whatever it is, or you're stuck in traffic and everything else, you've got as much exposure to cancer there as you do almost anything else when you think about it. Okay? The formaldehyde comes from the, from the way, if they're, especially if they're killed vaccines, uh, which have been used uh, extensively on humans, uh, it's, it's a method for killing the live organism. Um, I don't know how they make it today but in years back it used to have these big big pans that had a growth media in it and the, the growth media was inoculated with whatever it was that you were trying to grow for the vaccine and when it grew to a certain uh, uh strength, so to speak, uh, they would flood that pan with uh formaldehyde. Okay? And then the formaldehyde after it was was, was uh was killed and the, the uh Uh, the balance of the material was was deemed uh, inactive, then the uh, formaldehyde was removed. So you have traces of it, that's all. It's not like somebody got a quart of formaldehyde in there. It just doesn't work that way. But that's because people don't understand. And you can't explain it to them because all they hear is formaldehyde and they run like hell. But, you know, don't know what they're talking about. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is. And people just don't understand it. But you look at where we are, just you know, and, and I think this measles outbreak uh, is, uh, uh, is is uh, part and parcel to, to the problem of, of not vaccinating. And uh, you can go almost anywhere in, in Amish country and see some of the problems there—polio and all those kind of things. And the more people we let out, the bigger the problem is going to be. I don't care what anybody says. I know enough about it to know, and it's you know, and that's the way it is.
0: It's going to be interesting to see and we'll follow the news obviously closely and uh, I'm on some uh, of course email chains from uh, the USDA we'll be posting things like that and you can go to the USDA APHIS page and see I think every day around 4pm they said today they'll be posting an update instead of posting every single outbreak when it happens a uh, 4pm day 4pm uh, to give updates on a, on a daily basis for media and things like that so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes uh, after this Yesterday, as the the largest to date um, outbreak, at least on the, on U.S. soil, and I'll learn more about uh, um, again uh, biosecurity. We'll talk about that. As I said, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, about again, eliminating wild bird contact with your backyard flocks, getting rid of those backyard bird feeders, getting rid of those backyard bird baths, um, you know, not letting your chickens go and drink out of the, the pond on the back 40. Uh, really, if you can, keeping them contained in that run, covering the run with tarp so it eliminates um, uh, a lot of, say, maybe wild bird poo from getting in the run, so you're confined to the run and the coop. Um, you are doing whatever you can with your coop and your run to keep the wild birds out from maybe flying in, wanting to get in the food, wanting to get in the coop to to get some protection from, from whatever. Uh, so, so basically, protecting them from, of course, the the wild birds, eliminating uh, eliminating contact to wild birds, and um, and and for yourself, uh, using designated boots only for your flock. You're not wearing the same boots to the feed store or to your neighbor's flock uh, with the same boots. You have a designated pair of boots, and maybe even clothes uh, or a coverall that you use while taking care of your bo- uh, your birds. Um, you know, basically, don't take it out. And don't bring it in. It's kind of a catchphrase uh, that we use. Don't share your neighbor's equipment. If they have birds as well, um, and swap, don't have vaccination parties because they come in a 5,000-vial dose, and you're like, hey, um, so 5,000-dose uh, vial. And so um, for, for that issue as well, you know, for the four years I've been with biosecurity at USDA and, and talking about things that they have in their pamphlet, you know they're going to have every step. And we understand sometimes that may not be realistic for everybody. Um, Have I washed my tires and wheels after every single visit to the feed store? Of course not. Um, But I was talking to Jen, since I'm going to be going from feed store to feed store to feed store to feed store on this tour, um, I haven't made my decision yet, but I very well may make it an issue to, when I leave one event, find one of those little drive through car washes, Spray the wheels down and then keep going um, just to do, do what I can. Um, so, you know, diff- different things like that. Uh, but, but you definitely want to uh, try to protect your bird. I think wild birds is, is the biggest issue now. And um, like you said, Peter, and like we've heard from the USDA, that they feel like over the summer when the temperatures heat up, well, this may go away, at least in the media may go away for a little bit. But they're looking at maybe this fall when the migrating birds start coming south again we may see some more of it. And like you said, it was a, top, I think it was the top veterinarian for USDA APHIS said that in, in his opinion, he feels like this is probably going to be here for a while. Um, and that's something that we'll probably get used to seeing in, in the news a little bit um, uh, because it's, so hard to get rid of. It's here now, and uh, so and you, we've already seen the spread. So it's just it's one of those things. Um, you can you can Google search um, USDA Healthy Birds and uh, this USDA Healthy Birds USDA APIS APHIS Healthy Birds. Go to that Healthy Birds website, and you can. Uh, It'll have talk all about AI. Very simple. used to understand. It'll have tips on biosecurity. Uh, the whole nine yards there for you. If you want to get more information, how you can try to protect your flock. But like you said, that lady that said, "Oh, our backyard birds are safe." Absolutely ludicrous to, to quote you. I completely agree. Well,
1: here, um, regardless. Here's, here, here's something for food for thought here. Okay, um, this was back in January of two thousand fifteen. Okay, and this was in. Um, utah a wild hunted duck remember i talked about that mm-hmm. a while back i said people go out duck hunting and, and big right. you know duck, duck hunting around here is a big deal okay and this bird had highly pathogenic uh, h5n8 and, and um you know it, it's it's out there we keep telling people you know that, that you know waterfowl is the problem uh, in most cases not all most cases but um uh, you know Evidently somebody isn't getting the message somewhere along the line because an awful lot of chickens out here now that have got a huge huge problem and uh not sure how it's all gonna end up. You know, and, and again, the um the uh one of those flocks up in I believe it was Washington or Oregon, don't quote me on the exact place, it really doesn't matter, um, had exchanged some birds, I won't say sold because I don't know that for a fact, but had exchanged birds with the second farm that ended up with it because they got it from the first farm. These were small flock holders, uh, not huge, huge uh, places, but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it it is easily spread, and um, uh, you know, I just don't know I don't know how you're going to contain all this, and I, I think that all we can do is keep talking about it, keep trying to right the wrongs that are being put out out there as far as information is concerned, and um, um, everybody just better do the best they can because it's it's pretty ugly right now.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find a post I did last week, so I can give you uh, the number. Here it is. On April 18th, three days ago, um, the USDA had posted the total outbreak since this had started back uh, late, I think it was mid to late December, and uh, talking about, oh, this doesn't affect backyard flocks. But as of the 18th, um, in, on U.S. soil, uh, 11 backyard flocks and 36 commercial flocks had tested positive as of that day, April 18th, according to the USDA APHIS. Uh, but 11 backyard flocks, just to begin uh, that lady, Virginia, you said, oh, this doesn't affect backyard chickens, couldn't be further from the truth. 11 backyard flocks, 36 commercial flocks. We know it's more commercial flocks now. One more backyard flock, uh, I think, was found, I want to say it was in Minnesota with 33 birds uh, this, a few days ago. So... Um, So, yeah, backyard flocks are definitely not uh, immune to this. But, hey, Peter, like you said, we can only do what we can do, and we can still try to spread the word, you know, not creating panic. This is, you know, not the the sky is falling, the sky is falling, but, again, just educating, letting people know the seriousness without being panicked uh, and getting the information out there. Along with uh, what they can do as far as biosecurity, and then again, we can do we can only do what we can do, and then let the chips fall where they uh, may. So uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit more as it continues to be in the news. But I want to appreciate a, one, you for coming one on. Piece um, of, one yeah.
1: piece of information I just want to throw uh, out here because I think it's I think it's worth uh, being uh, thrown out. Just sure. to give everybody the the magnitude. This is based on uh, the World Organization for Animal uh, Health. Um, and they keep track of all of this stuff. In, in commercial poultry, between 1997 and 2014, in the United States, experienced one incident of high path AI in poultry. One. And from was that December, the
0: Connecticut farm?
1: Uh, Do you remember? Remember
0: been. we talked about
1: that? It might have might have yeah. been. I can't remember whether it was that one or the one in Virginia uh, or Pennsylvania. Yeah. I don't remember. And then from from December of 2014 until now. We've had 50 outbreaks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's huge. That's huge. And, um, uh, you know, nobody knows at this point where it's going to stop. So hopefully we get a handle on it here before long, but it's, uh, it's pretty ugly.
0: Yep, want to do what we can, uh, can do. Peter, thank you very much, uh, as always, for joining us. Great information. Sure. We do appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side maybe next Monday.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm going to see you up at uh, Sharpsburg because I got roped into that thing. So I'll see you up there.
0: <laughs> you know who else is going to be there? I talked uh, Bridget into coming. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs>
0: I did. I called her up and I said, hey, how far are you from Sharpsburg, Sharpsburg, Maryland? She looked it up. She's like three hours away. I said, well, hey, this Saturday I'm going to be there. Pierre's going to be there. And if you want to come, this is what all's going on there. And um, she, she while I was on the phone, she looks at him and says, I'll
1: be there. <laughs> yeah, it's about three about three and a half hours for me. Uh she's a little bit closer, uh, from from up where she is. But uh, yeah, about three and a half hours. I'm gonna leave here Friday at a reasonable yep. hour, go up there, set up all my junk and then uh, hit the hotel and hit it early in the morning. It's supposed to rain Saturday so it'll be really fun. <laughs>
0: I know. I just saw that. I've been following that, and because this is my first event on this tour, and and it, for a long time it was like I got an email from the the, the lady who's running it. It says, "Oh, it's gonna be, looks like it's going to be beautiful." It was like zero percent, and then it went to ten percent, and then when I looked yesterday, it said sixty percent chance. I was like, "Oh no!" So, I looked a little
1: while ago. It said seventy. So how's that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man! Oh yeah, that that won't make for a fun day. But um, that
1: Friday's I, supposed to be a good day, not Saturday. <laughs>
0: we'll see hey we'll uh, we'll slosh through there a a, a good barbecue good barbecue and good bluegrass music can make a rainy day a happy day so (laughs)
1: we'll we'll, we'll
0: see you there alrighty thanks buddy bye bye okay bye bye Uh, (laughs) that is Peter Brown uh, also known as the chicken doctor founder of first state supply dot com we'll be right back where manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983 Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfge.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at one 888 Eight two four seven two five seven. Ware Manufacturing. Give the. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowls, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that strombergschickens.com. Come back. 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 Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R-Coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Wizard. It was nice to have Peter Brown on and talking about this again. Uh, we're... Uh, we, i nothing to uh, panic about by any means. And just, you know, we got to do what we got to do as far as biosecurity. And over the years, we've mentioned biosecurity and what to do about it and how to implement it. And, you know, the, the, we've seen the poster changing, which is a good thing. There used to be a lot of naysayers. Oh, that's just for the big commercial folks. That's not for my little flock. i baby them and have good husbandry practices and blah, blah, blah. Hey, biosecurity is important for everybody. Um and a spin you love your flock. Whether it's six or sixty, and yeah, you want to do the best you can to uh, uh, to make sure they're as healthy as possible. Implementing biosecurity and, and look at the list. Look, look at what Aphis recommends to do, and then you can kind of look and choose what's realistic for me and my flock uh, in my backyard. Not sharing tools, yep, that's that's a given. Um, having a foot bath, you know, if you haven't had a foot bath before, especially with the wild birds spreading this through their feces, you know that is a simple and inexpensive solution um from just a, a little rubber made tub you buy at Walmart with the with the foot brush, uh whether it be bleach or get some oxine and, 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 and you know, doing that. If you or uh you know having that designated pair of boots and having a, a foot pad, maybe buying some coveralls, that type of of things. You know, make your own decision. Do you, if, are you going to do shows upcoming, especially in the outbreak area? Are you going to take your birds to the poultry shows or the 4 H competitions or the fairs? Uh, that's a decision you have to make uh, for your flock. We would strongly, as we always do, recommend if you come back from any show or fair, putting those birds in quarantine for 30 days before you allow them anywhere near. Yeah, the current flock that you have that you didn't take when you bring them back on your your property, very, very important. Um, You know, is it necessary uh, maybe a year ago for the average, you know, a family that has six chickens in their suburban backyard to wash their tires when they leave the feed store? Maybe, maybe not, but now, maybe especially if you live in the outbreak area, that's something, that's another step. You may want to do. let me stop by this, I can put 50 cents in this machine and wash off my tires and wheel wells from the feed store. that type of thing. So, so just uh, at least go and look and, and, and go to the APHIS website. If you just, again, Google um, uh, USDA APHIS, A-P-H-I-S, and then put Healthy Birds, it'll go right to the Healthy Birds website. You'll see it and click on it, and then you can click on AI, uh, avian influenza. and get information about that, and then click on the biosecurity. They got videos you can watch. Uh, the webinars are posted there that you can listen to. that talks a lot about biosecurity, avian influenza, the Newcastle, and the steps you can take, and then just at least see what steps you feel comfortable implementing implementing on, at your backyard flock to see, hey, you know, I think this is reasonable. <laughs> this is reasonable. This may be a little over the top, for, for I feel, for my backyard flock, but every little bit that you can do uh, can protect your backyard flock. I believe that with uh, all of my heart because uh, I've seen it happen. So, so the naysayers are even starting to come around. They're seeing this. Um, and and I think we're doing a good job getting the word out about uh, what is biosecurity. Um, you know, back a few years ago, back two thousand eight, two thousand seven, this was really exploding the backyard poultry movement, still increasing, still very popular. But you mentioned the word biosecurity. I've been with USD now for the four or five years. What's that? I've never heard of that before. And you mentioned something like that. I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, five or six years ago, um, I was. Um, on the Atlanta coop tour with my backyard coop when we were living in the Atlanta area. And I sent an email to the organizers and I sent an email to everybody who had a coop on the on the coop tour talking about biosecurity and what we would recommend, not letting people walk in the run or the coop and, and keeping their distance, uh, maybe even providing booties for all the attendees, that type of thing, no handling of the poultry. And it fell on deaf ears. It was almost, they thought it was laughable. But I'm very, very proud to say that after consulting with the new organizers of the Atlanta Chicken Coop Tour, uh, which is now concentrated in one area of Atlanta and for the most part the Decatur area, um, uh, they implemented they, – they saw the seriousness of it, whether it's because now avian influenza has is has, has entered here in, the, in U.S. soil um, or they just have educated themselves on it and they implemented – I know at least three things. They they did not allow anybody in the coop or run. They did not let anybody handle any of the chickens. And I know at some sites they had booties if people felt like they wanted to put those on and then they had an area. Uh, you can't any, any, get any closer than this. Uh, what does a coop tour do? What are their goals with a coop tour? Uh, you can accomplish all of those without walking in the coop, walking in the run, and handling the chickens. Um, so uh, I commend them for... Uh, Implementing those things this year on the coop tour, and i even told the uh, uh, undersecretary that visited that backyard flock in Atlanta about that, and, and uh, that that coop happened to be on on the tour. So um, again, it's uh, nothing to panic about. Uh, you know, we wouldn't we don't want to be though the sky is falling. The sky is falling, but. You know, it's serious. Like Peter talked about, it may be here to stay for a while. It may be something we're going to see in the news an awful lot. The problem with that is if we see it a lot, it'll just get, oh, another outbreak. Oh, it's just AI. We've heard about that all the time. And it gets uh, kind of thick skin, if you will, or just kind of the norm. And we don't want that happening. (laughs) So um, do what you can. Visit the site. Check out the biosecurity suggestions and then pick the ones that you really feel because I know some may not be realistic to you. Let's face it, I'm a realistic type of guy Um, and uh, some you might think is over the top for your backyard, but whatever you can do, implement these two, these three, these four. If those things uh, seem like they can be done, absolutely try to do that. I'm out of time. I really appreciate you tuning in today. We'll be on the road tomorrow. We're starting the... 2015 chicken whisper book and speaking tour with Kalmbach feeds we appreciate you maybe you can go out to one of the events visit us at chickenwhisper.com to check out our uh, our dates and uh, maybe we'll see you on the road god bless everybody <laughs>